It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh, and hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, good whenever. Hello, everybody. This is High Hopes, a new baseball podcast sponsored by Sports Radio 94 WIP. Along with James Seltzer, I am John Marks. Oh, hey, James. Hey, John. I like the little pause before podcast. It's like, it's a baseball podcast. I like that. That was a, a, a pensive podcast there. That's just because I was going to say blog, but it's not a blog. <laughs> so I'm like, well, what the hell is this? And it is a podcast. But yeah, I like it. I'm welcoming you into my world, the podcast world. This is a beautiful thing, Johnny. So this is, and this is going to be a weekly podcast. Sometimes if stuff happens, maybe during the season, we'll have two or so a week. But uh, we were planning on doing it today, which is Monday. We're, we're taping it. And it just so happened that yesterday... We found out they were going to be officially naming the manager today, which they did. And it's one Gabe Kapler, the Phillies' 54th manager in franchise history, James. Gabe Kapler? Uh, not I, Gabe Kapler. That, well, I was Gabe just Kapler. about to go there. My He's buddy. a member of the tribe, but, but not that particular <laughs> and, member. And you know I love members of the tribe. Um, I, I, we're going to get so many Gabe Kaplans, it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be the new Alshon Jeffries or Christian McCafferty or whatever it is. Right, what do you think of that Gabe Kaplan I mean, DeCamera did it on the air today. Did right? we, Gabe really? Kaplan, I'm like, that's a TV guy. <laughs> Wrong that's one. Mr. Katea. <laughs> that's Mr. Katea. Um, yeah, man. I'm, look, uh, the fact that he's a member of the tribe is obviously a, a beautiful thing. Plus, speaking of beautiful he himself is beautiful like what a gorgeous human being well, they brought in to be the manager certainly the best looking manager in franchise history yes. you know, maybe you're, you're, baseball history john i'll give you baseball history i don't know who would be second i mean geez certainly not certainly not some of the phillies managers but that goes without say he was nicknamed the body by bob ryan of the uh of the globe up in boston and he's also been called the hebrew hammer and like we'll just get to it right away. Even before we talk about what type of a manager he is, <laughs> it's and, more important. And, and talk about well, actually, let's talk about that. Then we'll get into because there's like there's pictures online of him in a leopard thong. Oh yeah, and he's he's constantly shirtless because he's in <laughs> such good shape. But let me give you a little background. Wouldn't you here. be though, John, if you were in that good shape? Right? I mean. It's hard to judge. I, I would I'm never have my shirt on if I was in that kind of shape. Exactly, man. Yeah, but we're both too hairy. <laughs> and very um, true. But yeah, like if I had that body, I'd be naked all the time. I'd be taking naked pictures of, of myself, course. sending them everywhere. But anyway, so so here's his background, right? So like when they were going through all the candidates and they're like, all right, well, do we want this guy? And Dusty Watham was a young guy who was uh, in the Phillies organization and really had you know managed it at each level and a lot of people thought was ready for the next step. I think the Phillies really liked him, too, and were strongly considering him. You had managers that had experience. You had some bench coaches. Gabe Kapler doesn't have a whole lot of managing experience. Last three years with the Dodgers, James, director of player development. So, in other words, he was in charge of the minor league system of the Dodgers, which, by the way, was a pretty good minor league (laughs) system since he got there. But really his experience is 12 seasons as a player. 
And he did. He it's weird. He retired in 2007. Mm-hmm. He managed at sing, their single A affiliate of the <laughs> Red Sox, and then he went back and started playing again in 2008. It's the only managing experience he had. He was a coach of the Isra- Israeli uh, World Baseball Classic qualifier team mm-hmm. later on. But that's it. That's all. The, that's all the managerial experience he has. Yeah, no, and I'm sure we're going to certainly hear a lot about that uh, moving forward. Here's my thing. Uh, first of all, you said it. Twelve years. It, you know, parts of 12 years as a player in the major leagues. You know, that in and of itself is a lot of experience, obviously, with major is league it baseball. I, well, here's the thing. I do think the fact that he's a player development guy matters, right? I mean, we're talking about a team that is basically going to be player development at the major league level. You want all these guys to grow and develop. That's the key to the future. So I think from that perspective, you like that. He's 42 years old, so he's kind of... Third youngest third, in yeah, majors. A, young, a younger manager, yeah. you know, actually younger than Dusty Walton even. Walton is 44 years old. So I think that Kapler kind of can connect uh, to those younger players, which is important. Played in the major leagues recently enough that, you know, has a good feel for where the game is and whatnot. Um, And and look, I think the fact that you can't really – Take away the fact that he worked in that Tampa Bay front office. He's worked for Andrew Friedman in this Dodgers front office. Like he's been around some of the best minds in the sport for the last few years. That's a good and, point. And that's something that you can't take away. Look, I get it. Look, I would have loved to have someone with his background on that side, the player development stuff, the analytical stuff, all that type of uh, of, of things. But and also have a little more managerial experience. That'd be perfect. There just aren't too many guys like Joe Madden uh, out there. So I do think that as far as it goes, of the guys. For for me at least, who were kind of rumored to be around the job, Kapler was personally my favorite choice because I want someone who's going to think outside the box, someone who's going to look toward. Look, I saw. They think I saw Jack Fritz tweet about it, but it's like the two most analytically inclined organizations in the sport are playing in one of the best World Series we've ever seen right now. There's a reason both of those teams are there. Andrew Freeman and the Dodgers are cap is a copycat business sports. Sure, absolutely, but also we've seen, but whether it's Theo Epstein or, or right now with Jeff Leno and Andrew Freeman, I mean, over and over and over again, we've seen where the sport is heading to I mean it is heading to that type of you know philosophical approach and I think that Gabe Kapler is a a real nice extension of that front office onto the field or at least could be let me play devil's advocate why not go out and get a guy like a Joe Girardi uh, we talked about uh, Buck Showalter, who's still under contract, and who knew if that was even going to be uh, a possibility. Why not go out and get a guy that, that has experience, that maybe is a little bit older, or not? But you know what I'm saying. Like, why not get out and get, go and go out and get a guy that has experience? Why not get a Girardi? Yeah, well, Girardi specifically is a is an interesting example, just because I think that's the name you're going to hear a lot of fans say. I mean, even today when I was answering calls, I had people call me like, "Why not Girardi? He was out there." We don't know if Girardi wants to manage right now. I mean, it was kind of a unceremonious. You know, he went to Game Seven of the ALCS and and lost his job. So, I it seems everything you hear that he's going to take a year off. Either way, I think Girardi also analytically inclined. I think from that perspective, might have made a lot of sense for this front office. Open minded with the analytics, yeah, yeah, very very much so. So, um, I, I certainly think that would have made a lot of sense. My guess is that is that Girardi didn't want to manage this year, which is, you know, either way, I think they probably approached him. I mean, it seems like they did their due diligence. It's not like they just said, all right, Gabe Kapler's our guy, we're hiring him. They interviewed a bunch of guys, they talked to a lot of different people. It seems like the people they were looking at were a bunch of different types of people it as well. It seemed like that they they were interested in, let me put, put a theory out there, it seemed like that they were interested in getting a younger guy in here that uh, didn't have a lot of experience. If you bring in Joe Girardi... And you're gonna and you say, all right, listen, Joe. We know you want to take a year off, or maybe you have some other offers. We want you in here. 
You're going to have to pay him, and I'm, I'm not worried about that with John Middleton. But you're also going to have to, like— Give him control. You're going to have to give him some control. Absolutely. And he's going to be—right now, the, the front office can more or less— because I, I feel like the manager in baseball has been marginalized like never before to where front offices think that they can control and they can push buttons and a lot of other stuff from upstairs to where the manager's more or less just kind of kind of like a— uh, like a, like 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 a, a figurehead almost. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like it, he's like a for puppet. Instance, which, as it were, well, almost. like for instance, with Charlie Manuel. Charlie Manuel was never known as a great tactician. The one great thing he did was that people liked come that his players loved coming to work, yeah. and he had a clubhouse that was that was perfect for for those yeah, particular guys. Yeah, like the Joe Torre type of thing. He got the most out of those guys, but he he also wasn't a tactician, and that worked for these players. Doesn't it seem like Kapler's kind of the same? Not that he. I, we don't know. If like he played baseball for twelve years, so I know he knows baseball. I have no idea if he's going to be a great tactical guy or what. The most important thing for me is, can he guide these young players into being all stars? Kind of like what Charlie Manuel helped do with a lot of the Phillies. That's his biggest job. Yeah, and I think whether it's through analytics or or different approaches or whatever, that is the most important thing he has to do. He has to take Reese Hoskins and get him to that next stage of development. He has to take J.P. Crawford turn him into a starting shortstop in the major leagues and all that type of stuff. That's a number one, top of the list, most important thing you can do. Get to Mikel Franco and be like, yo, dude, what are you doing? Why are you swinging out of your cleats on every swing? Yes, and and develop these kids. It's all about development. 100%. But I do think that... I think his approach is going to be a little kind of outside the box. I think he's going to look at analytics in every situation and say, what does the analytics tell me to do? And I I don't think he's always going to follow that 100% of the time, but I think that it's going to weigh heavily in his decisions. And I think that there are going to be a lot of times where people are going to get a little... A little testy with him when it doesn't work out. The thing that I like is that it, it seems like he is the type of guy from everything you read, everything you look at him, that he is not going to let that. He's not going to say, all right, well, everyone got mad I did this. I'm not going to do it that way again. He's going to say, no. screw that. Like, I'm going to do it this way, and it will work more often than it won't. And I think you need someone like that. So uh, I feel positive about it in that perspective. I think your point, though, is I, I don't know what type of, of leader of men he is. I don't know what type of guy he is to be able to take you know, 25 different personalities and find a common ground for all of them. That's going to be the key with Cap. Well, let's think about it 2018, uh, just to say 2018. Think about it. So what are the big question marks with the Phillies going forward? We know Reese Hoskins is, is going to be – we don't know how good of a player he's going to be, but we, we're assuming he's going to be an all-star level type player. Yeah, like you can feel the, good about him. very least, he's going to be an above-average starter. Let's see what he does in, in year two. Yeah, I think that's his floor. Right. Yeah, Exactly. Um, then you have some young players that may or may not be coming up in 2018. Then you have Odubel Herrera, who has all the talent in the world, but is a knucklehead more times than not when he's playing, but he's incredibly streaky. He's incredibly talented. And, and we mentioned Franco. What can he get out of those guys? Like, how will he handle the same situations that McCannon handled with Odubel? How does Kapler handle that, right? Like, former player, a lot younger. How does he handle Odubel Herrera as opposed to what McCann did. Yeah, I th- I mean, that's going to be one of the, the most interesting things to see through this first season that we have Kapler here is, is those type because McCann, we've talked about it, you know, a fair amount, both on our first show and also just between the two of us. Right. McCann did not handle those situations well, at least in my opinion. I think more often than not, 
you know, he did not handle the Odebill situation well. I think that Kapler, if nothing else, I think he's going to, again, when it calls for it, I think he's going to approach these guys with a very analytically based mind because that just seems to be the way he, you know, kind of goes about his business. So try and be logical with these guys. That's not always going to work. You know, a lot of times it's, it is an emotional type of thing, and that's going to be the question about Kapler. We don't know. I don't know enough about Gabe Kapler to know how he can relate to players on an emotional level, on a, you know, uh, human level. I mean, because ultimately nobody knows, nobody knows. And that's what I always talk about. And I feel like we we as a, a general media, whatever it is, kind of forget a lot of times that all of these guys are human beings and that they are just trying to, you know, they have issues. They have all kinds of things that they have to deal with. And different people react to different things in different ways. For one guy, you might need to yell at him to get him to going. And another guy, you might need to tell him you love him. I mean, it's a different each person is different. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see how he can kind of maneuver these personalities. Yeah. I mean, that's the key. Well, look what McKenna did with Franco. His whole thing was, well, my door's always open even, exactly. if he wants to come in and talk to me to where it's like, Pete, that's not, like, you obviously need to handle him kid, you've been in baseball your whole life, Pete. Like, come on, like, man. Like, that's where you bring him in the office and say, hey, listen, let, like, don't even talk about baseball for five minutes. Talk yeah. about something else. Bring it, like, go have a burger with him or something <laughs> yes, like that. You exactly. know what I mean? Like, but his whole thing was, hey, if he wants to talk, if he wants to talk, my office door is open. That old school mentality, I'm not a big fan of. I mean, Me like either. you said, every player is different. Every player needs to be handled differently. So it'll be really interesting to see what Kapler does. And for what it's worth, I think when you look at, and, and I think some of it's kind of weird and nutty when you look at his health stuff and the, the nutritional stuff and kind of all like, but if you go back and read some of the stuff he wrote for Baseball Prospectus, he talks about stuff like how he thinks writing strengthens the, strengthens the mind. Like he seems like someone who is a very philosophical person, someone who thinks about life in a very interesting way. Yes. So I do think that that is like... Uh, I think that's kind of what you need in this situation. Coming off a guy like McCannon, who is so old school, a lifer by the book. I mean, you're getting someone who's coming in who's going to attack all of these types of issues from a completely different perspective. So I I think there is is upside there. I'm a big believer in keeping it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. And like like you said, he thinks very outside the box and this and that. But he always has been a strong believer in nutrition and exercise and actually brought that to the Dodgers. Yep. He got junk food thrown out of all of the clubhouses and all of their all their affiliates, even the minor leagues, and they started using organic food and everything else. I hope we're not doing smoothies like Chip Kelly. Hey, you know what? But, here, but some of that stuff makes sense. That's the thing is yes. I, I get it. Look, Chip, you know, is a is a uh, four letter word. Is it chip? literally in yeah. four? It's a four yeah. letter word, but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, he's were, Richard. Yes, yeah, he's, he's a Richard. Richard. Yeah. yeah, there are certain things there uh, <laughs> that were that were innovative and like sports science. Like, hey, chip, like chip, whatever, like. That stuff makes sense. Like, I get right. why you would want to Duh. employ that type of stuff. And it seems like Kapler does, for at least a lot of that type of stuff, also right. think that way. But hey, listen, let them have fast food a couple times a month. Like, <laughs> yeah. I keep the guys happy there. Again, they're still human James beings. Shelter. Let them enjoy life a little All bit right, here. Before we get into the leopard thong and whatever else is going <laughs> on, what does the staff look like? We know Larry Bow was kind of in limbo. It seems like, and I haven't read anything today about his staff, so maybe you can you can fill me oh, in. Oh man! But um, but I he, saw one name. That's he, it. <laughs> he was kind of in limbo as far as because they didn't know exactly who they were going to be hiring, and he would have a job in the organization. I think it actually makes sense to have Larry or a guy like that because they've been around, they know the franchise, they know the players. They strategically are very good at it. So uh, any thoughts to that? What's the name you heard? I, well, the, I'll get to the name I heard in a sec because 
whoa, we'll see about that. Uh, but I do think keeping Larry around makes a ton of sense, not just because he knows the players, he knows the clubhouse, he knows the Philadelphia Phillies, he knows the organization, and he also knows this city, and I think that that is an invaluable resource Agreed. for someone like Kapler, clearly a West Coast guy, you know, kind of a little, uh, maybe take, approach his life a little bit differently than we do here. He can help out in a lot of ways Agreed. that just aren't baseball. He's a, a, a yeah. wealth of information for someone like Kapler, and I feel like, you know, th- this organization is all about information, and I feel like feel like there's a place for Larry Bowe in this clubhouse. Well, I also think Dusty Walton is, has a place in this clubhouse. Look, he's under contract for next season. Of course, they could go up and manage in AAA. Or they could bring him up, and whether it's a bench coach, coach or first or third base, something like that, I think there is the potential for that as well. I haven't heard many names otherwise, but there was one name that was out there today that I don't think will happen, but um, if you take the him as a person out of it, the qualifications are certainly there. O.J. Simpson? Kurt Schilling wants to be Gabe Kapler's pitching coach. Ah, interesting. I, I mean, I, I personally hate Schilling so much as a human happen. being that I can't do – like, I wouldn't want to root for a team that has that guy employed. But at the same time, I mean, I bet he'd be a good pitching coach. Well, here's the bottom line. He – when he – actually, when you talk about analytics and things like that, I remember – so Johnny – he always credits – Kurt credits Johnny Padres, the, the Phillies pitching coach sure. from – uh, Jim Fergosi early 90s days in teaching him the split finger fastball which really kind of changed his career and that was you don't see a lot of guys throwing splitters anymore no. like they used to because I think it was destroying elbows but like Kurt really is a thinking man's pitcher L- listen pitching wise Kurt Schilling to me is a hall of famer I well, mean I think he, so too. he's a big a big game pitcher yep. if you're talking One of the about best, a, a, yeah. you're talking about a guy that you want to mount for game yeah. 7 of the world series I'll take him and if it's I like mention him, five Smoltz, names Beckett it's like he's one of those five names you would mention yep. for sure he's a great as far as a pitching coach See, he sticks his he sticks his foot too that's the in problem. his mouth too much and and it's a position like he that can't help himself it's not worth it it's not worth the 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 Ultimate no, you, you, you don't want a guy that's going to get himself in trouble for right. non-pitching And things. then even just from a baseball perspective, you've got Kapler, who, again, we talked about as a first-time manager, a guy who's never, you know, who's all his experiences on the other side, the front office side and whatnot, development. Right. Like, I think, and we kind of talked about it a lot with Doug Peterson, kind of an interesting parallel there um, with the fact that he did surround himself with a lot of guys who had, had been head coaches before, had been, you know, coaches in the league for a long time, former players. I think that would be a smart route for Kapler to take. I think Kapler should be looking for someone who has proven, look, again, I'm very happy they went for someone who might not necessarily be a proven guy but is an outside-the-box interesting choice. But I think when it comes to filling out his staff, as we talked about with Boa, I think you got to find someone who's got some experience. Yep. No, I agree. And so we'll find out if if Kapler will be – kind of the manager before they hire the manager that hopefully takes the team to the World Series or he's going to be the young guy that comes yep. in and builds the team and and, and rides with them. That's because, exactly but, right. Like it was remember it was Terry Francona, he didn't have enough talent to do anything. Larry Boa came in and really kind of whipped that same roster into shape. Mm-hmm. And was he, like the contrast from from Frank it was like Francona like laid back, chill too guy. laid back. Yep. And he did have Jimmy Rollins in his rookie year, sure. Larry Boa did. And then when Larry became too much, Charlie Manuel came in and was the perfect contrast yep. to Larry Boa. So, and Kapler's not like a laid-back guy. Kapler's a very, um, I just think he, he's kind of. I, I don't know if I want to say Bill Parcells, but like any player that you overhear that played for Bill Parcells loves him because he tells you 
like it is. He doesn't sugarcoat. He's not a phony. No, yeah. he just is. He's honest, and and, pl- and players appreciate that. Like me personally, I appreciate bosses and coworkers or whoever that they're not phonies. They're not telling me what I want to hear. Like I want to know the truth. Yep. So we can do it. It seems like Kapler's that guy. Yeah. No, and it does. It's interesting because it does seem like he has a laid back personality. But I think you're absolutely right. He seems very straightforward, very direct when it comes to things like that. And I think that's crucial in Need this it. type of role. I mean, and like you talk about any boss, like I'm not going to get better at what I do unless I have a boss who's going to say, hey, you suck at this or hey, you need to fix this or hey, you're good at this, but you could be better if you did this, this and this. You know, you need that. You need someone who's not going to. And I feel like we saw it with Pete at times, you know, kind of relating it to the same thing where it's you know, almost just didn't want to like have that confrontation at times or whatever. Very same thing old with school. Pat Nishik, you know, with that whole Nishik thing where he's like, oh, uh, you know, we said he couldn't pitch anymore. And Nishik was like, I didn't say that. Like, I would have gone back in. Like, that type of stuff. Like, I think you avoid that when you have more direct. There's no beating around the bush. It's, it's, this is how it is. All right. So if, if you are listening to this, you've probably seen these pictures. That means you're a big baseball <laughs> fan. But we talked about him being the best looking managers, not in just franchise history, maybe in Major League baseball history yeah man but so like i i go i don't know even know how i saw it but i was like googling i was trying to last night when i saw that he was going to be the guy so i'm obviously looking for for news stories and for information the one thing i found on deadspin was that he advocated tanning in the nude and getting the <laughs> testicles yep. sun because it gives it it boosts testosterone according to some study that's 70 years old sure. so he endorsed and if you look at him he looks like, like super tan i think it's fake tan but he's like he's he, he's getting he's getting the boys golden brown in hopes of getting juiced up even more um, <laughs> literally and figuratively literally right? and figuratively but i mean james like, I, I just gotta say this like if i'm the phillies and i'm like being like all right i think we're gonna hire this guy do they know these pictures? I mean, these pictures, he's out there. He's literally in like a, a thong. He doesn't have shirts on in almost any pictures. I mean, there's, it's weird. It's kind of like creepy weird, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's super creepy. I, look, I, they definitely know those pictures are out there. It's not like that. Are you sure? Yeah, I feel pretty confident about Is that part of the it. analytics of Matt yeah, Contact? Yeah, I'm sure, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think this seems like they're an organization that, that does it, that Puts all their kind of ducks in a row and and at least, uh, you know, puts a lot of effort into finding out the little things. I, I At least it seems that way. Regardless, I don't think as much as they're a little weird and they're a little creepy, I think it would be an absolute asinine reason not to bring someone as a manager. So Just Google image <laughs> Gabe Kapler thong and the first picture that comes up is... Gabe and Kapler who knows? Thong. You know what though? Good for him. He's freaking open with himself. He has no problems saying, you know, all the time. You know, he's a monster, by the way. There are a lot too. of people who are very closed who's, off well, and but he's who, a very open guy. I can't good for him. I can't remember a manager that's this jacked before. I'm like, I'm like, literally think about it. Dude, I can't I like I don't know if there's another like not even close bodybuilder. Like, like who else jack- would be he's a, ripped, man? Oh, he, he is. He's like a he's a bodybuilder. Like, if you think about it, when Mike Schmidt played they didn't lift weights because they were told that it would it would hurt their swing. Yep. So nobody lifted weights. So like Mike Schmidt would hit thirty seven home runs and he'd be the big home run hitter because he, he the guys were and then all of a sudden with steroids or with weightlifting like the A's of the late the oh, late eighties yeah. the Bash brothers the Bash brothers like you get these big muscle guys yeah, like and Mark it's McGuire like, is like so you get bigger and when you hit the ball it goes farther and you hit more home runs and everybody started lifting weights yep. right. 
But baseball was never a big weightlifting. This guy well, is freaking jacked up, man. Well, and it's funny because, you know, he wasn't really, he's not a power hitter. He's not that type of player. You wouldn't expect him. If you look at him, you wouldn't expect him to, because he's also like, he's it's fit. It doesn't look like, you know, you see a lot of like muscle builders or that type of stuff. It's like disproportionate, the muscles to the body. I mean, it all works, says John Sherry-Victor. Like, at least it looks like natural. I, not nat- natural's the wrong word. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I co-sign yeah, that. No, uh, no, uh, no. Uh, I, look, regardless, I think um, he looks like a professional wrestler. He looks like a. He just looks like a like a. Because he's a good-looking dude. He's got like a shaved head. He he has like facial hair and some of the things. I mean, he's just. I I can't. I mean, Charlie Manuel is who you're thinking about as I the know, manager. It's like and polar opposites. Dude. I know. I know, man. Look at him. It's like he's like a model. He's like the best-looking model. It's ridiculous. So just to review, we think he's hot. <laughs> he, he's the he's the hottest manager in the history of, of baseball. I just I don't know. I just if it's gonna it's be fascinating. We, it's weird. Because, it's weird. Well, it's also it, gonna be a thing where all like the you know ladies in the area all of a sudden it's like it's weird when it's like oh you remember the ladies were in love with Chase or Jason Worth or this or that or whatever. It's like no now they're all in love with the freaking manager. That's weird. The forty-two-year-old manager who's who's got a he's not even a six-pack. He's got a twelve-pack. I mean, look, look at that. that. No, it's really like look. My I don't. I have a one-pack, which is you <laughs> yeah, know my keg here. Uh, like I got I, the Labanza. I, I kind of barely believe that a six-pack is a real thing. Like I don't truly believe. I had a six-pack. Yeah, no, not this guy. I did two thousand three. Like that is that is not real. That looks like one of those like Halloween costumes you would put on your chest. I mean that is insane. All right, so so our new manager's hot. There you go. So that's the, the, the first segment here. Commands a room, man. You he walk does. in, everyone looks at him like, whoa, who's that guy? He's gorgeous. Big dude, too. He's <laughs> yeah. not just whatever. Yeah. Big he's a, he's a, look, he's an imposing figure in that way. And I think that, that is, I think that's only a good thing. It's one of those things where, like, when you look at the, the history of, uh, of America, it's like, uh, I think, like, what, like, Almost every president is like a certain height. They're like six three or more. Or yeah, you don't have short dudes like right, me being you know? president. And I, like so, I think there's something to that. As as weird or off base as it might be, no doubt about it. All right, so let's um let, let's turn our attention to this right here. So Baseball America puts out there, and I'm going to weave in Freddie Galvis being a Gold Glove finalist again here. Baseball America puts out their top ten prospects today, and. J.P. Crawford went from being one of the top prospects in baseball to like 92nd or something <laughs> like that. So I don't know where he is in the top 100, but so they put out just the Phillies' top 10 prospects today. Well, Crawford might have played enough games where he wouldn't be considered technically a prospect anymore. He I'm is. not 100. Is he still? In, t- in he this, is? Okay, in I wasn't this particular sure. case. Yeah, because they they have um they have Alfaro on this list too. Okay. So it's kind of it's kind of fugazi in that because Alfaro, I guess they have to play a certain amount of at bats. It's a certain it number of at the, bats or plate appearances or whatever it is, yeah. Um to qualify, they can't exceed 130 big league at bats, 50 innings or 30 relief appearances. So there we go. So that so there you go. 50 innings as, as a uh, as a pitcher. So that's why Hoskins, Nick Williams, Knapp and Pavetta and Lively aren't eligible for it. So JP Crawford's back at number 1. Yeah, and he should be, and yeah, he should. And while I understand why he would have been moved off of it because he struggled, it's even more it's even more impressive to me that he struggled as bad as he did. He turned it around. He showed some power. He came up to the bigs. He showed great plate discipline. Yep. He showed great on base percentage. He played third base and second base at the same Gold Glove level mm-hmm. that you saw him play shortstop. And by the way, for all the people out there, for all the people that I know that I used to see down at the Phillies games who were telling me he's not a good enough defensive shortstop to play every day in the big leagues, 
uh, I don't know about that. But yeah, so he's back at being number one, James. Yeah, well, and I, all those people were driving me crazy because I was like, he could play shorts out at the major league level at a really high level. Um, and it was, I was really excited to see him come up and show that approach, really, because that was the thing that always set him apart as a, as a hitter and a prospect at that position. You were hoped that the power would develop. You never expect him to be a 2025 no. home run type guy. But he was always a walk as much as he hit as he as he strikes out guy, and those are the guys where it's like that type of plate discipline, that type of bat control, that type of ability to put the ball in play when you need to. I mean, that's rare, especially for a shortstop, especially at the ages. And that's that the age, thing. Yeah. The other thing, that's the thing. It's like we always, and I, I think I said this last time too, but it's it just it's like you can't look at a player's minor league stats and get the full picture. You have to look at his age and the level and all that stuff. Like they're gonna make the, like that's what a lot of people said to me this year. Look at all this. Look at all the errors that he made at, at AAA, and I said, you know how many errors Freddie Galvis made oh, yeah. when he was in the minors? Yes. No. Okay. I'm like, because it's it's actually like, I, I don't remember if it's more or not, but it's all like, it's you're supposed to make mistakes. That's why you get the reps. You're supposed to make mistakes when you're a young player. Absolutely. And you're also depending on the level of your third baseman, your second baseman, you're trying to do more. You're make, trying to make plays that you can't make. You get errors on different things. I mean, that's all like, it's all. And also you can't just look at errors specifically to judge a player's you know, defensive abilities. There are so many, and it's confusing. Well, that's a what Freddie Galvis truth is. Yeah, do. I know exactly. But there, like, there's so many metrics now: defensive runs saved, UZR. There's so many different things, and not, I don't profess to to you know be an expert in any of them. And it seems like they're all what's kind his of war? That's, not that's quite what there I mean. yet, right? But I do think that there are a lot better ways than saying how many errors did he? Have? I agree. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. So be, before we, I, I finish off the list, and we'll talk about some of these guys here. What do you do about about Freddie Galvis? Like, what is the What's the strategy? Because like we know that this is, is is an analytically inclined front office. They had 13 full-time analytics on their staff. They said they were adding to it, which I'm like, how many guys? <laughs> like, where's all the office space here, James Seltzer? I mean, you got to be kidding me. But like, if that's the case, and I know that we're on this, I know that we we both agree. I like Freddie Galvis a lot, and if they start 2018 with Freddie Galvis as the starting starting shortstop of this team, and JP becomes kind of like the super sub until he becomes the full time shortstop, that's fine. But I have to believe that Matt Clentak and his staff they know that JP Crawford is the is the shortstop of the future and of the present. It's just more or less trying to figure out what to do with Galvis. So what do you do with Galvis? He's one of the three finalists for the gold glove, not taking anything away from him because he is a good player and had a good year. But what's the strategy? What would you do? What yeah, do you think they it's do? a great question. And and the gold glove. Look, Freddie's a really good defensive shortstop. If he wins the gold glove, can we not say he's a gold glove winning shortstop? Uh, Rafael Palmero won the gold glove when he played Bobby like Abreu. twenty games at first base. He was a DH and he won the freaking gold glove. It's a sham of an award. But again, I, I do think. Look, Freddie has value. He is a, a really really good defensive shortstop. He's got a, t- a little bit of pop in his yeah, bat. Yeah, got like, some power. You know, he's never gonna walk a lot. He's never gonna. Get get on base a lot that's just the player he is he showed some improvement you know over the past couple years compared to where he was but I do think that Freddie is at least an asset of sorts he doesn't cost a lot of money he could play great short great defensive shortstop he could play other positions in the infield if needed I think there should be some level of value to Freddie I think what you're trying to do is you're trying to find someone to take him you know you're trying to find a trade partner of any kind you're trying to find some type of value whether it's a major league player like a bullpen piece or even if it's if it's uh, you know slot 
spot money like we talked about or, or you know, the international money. No, because he, he should have some value. Like, a lot people talk about, like, oh, well, t- trade Tommy Joseph. Freddie Galvis has real value because he plays good defense and he can bat. Like, if, if, you're, a, if you're a contending team and all you need is a guy to kind of come in and he can bat 240. If he has 15 home yeah. runs and plays great defense, he's valuable. Even if he's a defensive sub late in games, he's super valuable to that type of team. He has value. He's a Major League Baseball player. I don't know if Tommy Joseph is. That's a whole different uh, ball well, wax. He, he's just a – he kind of – Di- you know, dime a dozen yeah, with being exactly. a first base like, slash just, DH guy. He's nothing special. I mean, he's not like not even just nothing special. I keep he's, him. Yeah, I mean, he's fine. Like he, if, he's a bat off the bench. Throw him out there against lefties. Like that's not the worst. You put put guy Reese in left field. But he doesn't have any real value. There's nothing you can get for him. I think you can get something for Freddie. I also think that if you can't trade him during the offseason, I think you can do something where you know you could see him as that super utility guy and and keep him until the deadline where you've got him playing. So and look, I don't know for sure that Mike Franco is going to be the starting third baseman next season. Good point. Like why? Like he, he stinks. Like he has shown zero improvement. They still think down there and, and from look, what and I, I hear that he's going to turn it around. Cuz look, the tools are there. The upside is there. I totally get it, but I, you know, I don't at this point and Michael Franco is going to have to do it before I'm ever going to believe he's going to do it. Oh, I agree. And as a result, if you, you know, depending on going into spring training all that, I think Cesar could play third. I think Freddie could play second if need be. I think Freddie could play third. Obviously, JP could play third. I think there are a lot of incantations of how this, you know, infield situation can work out, but I think ultimately, if and when they find a, a good trade partner for Freddie Galvis, he's gone. All right, let's move on this list, and we'll talk about some. Uh, we'll talk about Kingery. We'll and we'll. You know, what, what are you going to do with Kingery? I mean, well, that was kind of what I was talking about moving Cesar <laughs> yeah. to third eventually, like because when Bruce Cesar out of here, as far as I'm concerned, would say, and I like, Ana- him. and he's another guy you and can I get like something him. for. He's an asset. Like he it's gets on base. He's a good player. So look, it's a good problem to have with these guys. It is a good problem to have. All right, so number two, Sixto Sanchez, the the right handed. Uh, starting pitcher who spent most of the year at Lakewood, went to Clearwater, high A, at the end of the season. Didn't have the same success. Um, it, it still, I mean, you're talking about a, a kid who's, who's 18, 19 years old and throwing 100 miles an hour on a consistent basis. Doesn't have doesn't have command of all of his pitches. Right. You know, and, and a lot of those runs that he gave up, like he didn't get shelled. No. But he gave up some base runners and some runs, and he was facing competition that you know certainly is a lot older than he is. So, but he's still a very highly regarded uh, pitching prospect. Their top oh, pitching prospect. Oh yeah, and, and and should be. And I think the the key to the the you know hundred mile per hour heat is the the ease with which he delivers it. You know, it's he's Pedro. He's Pedro's yeah, size. Yeah, it just feels so natural and easy. It's like Effortless. almost like he's got a rubber arm or something. It's really impressive to watch. But at the same time, he's an eighteen, you know, soon to be nineteen. So year many old. things can happen. Exactly. I've seen so many of these guys who a are the shoulder next injury great turns that pro- fastball into ninety five. Rotation. They got to the one World Series there, but like you know, how and many now other, they're all damaged. Yeah, goods. Harvey Syndergaard, Degrom, who was the one who wasn't the top prospect of that group. You know, they had Wheeler, Syndergaard, and Harvey. Everyone's like, oh my goodness, the next Pulsifer, Isringhausen, and uh, oh my God, it was the third of that crew. Uh, that did Paul Wilson. That Paul didn't Wilson. work out either. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think you know, it's you have to be really. I, I, he is a great, great prospect and exciting, but I, I'm always very until they kind of progress further along. I, I, I worry. Scott Kingery, number three for. For people out there listening to this that said, like, oh, well, King, Kingry's third? Like, wow, he's a better player than J.P. Crawford. Here's J- Scott Kingry's going to be a very good major league mm-hmm. player. But the power that he showed last year, don't expect that same kind of, of power nowhere, man. to translate. He's more of a 15 to maybe 20 home run guy, but he's going to be 
higher average, like close to 300. He's going to be high on base percent. Well, actually, he didn't walk a lot not a, not last yeah, year. Doesn't have that approach in the same way. But when he gets on base, he's going to steal bases. He's going to create havoc. He's very good defensively at second base. He's one of those guys that that you want at the top of your lineup, and he's just gonna he's going to invigorate your lineup. He's going to get on base, and he's going to kind of start it. Yeah, I think he's one of those players who's actually kind of underrated and always been underrated by these prospect systems. Uh, you know, a very different type of player, but Paul Goldschmidt was a guy who was never on any prospects list, never well, like the kinda, best players in baseball now. Exactly, because he just produced. He just produced at every level. People were like, hey, he's not that good. You know, well, that's Hoskins before this year. 50 homers, every, exactly. Hoskins, a Did perfect, the same thing. perfect comp to Goldschmidt. That's exactly right. Those types of guys where, you know, the prospect guys are like, ah, they're not that good. Ah, they're not that good. But every year they Keep put up producing. numbers. Yep. I think Kingery's that type of guy. I think he's a really good player. The difference between him and Crawford is just the ceiling is higher with Crawford. First, first of all, he plays a, a tougher position. Shortstop is it's a just premium more, position. It's a more important position. Yep. It, it is. There's no question about it. But he's also he's got a higher ceiling. I mean, Crawford's a better athlete. He's got a much better approach to the plate. You know, he's still progressed at a younger age further than Kingery has. So I, I think yeah, because Kingery's know, 24. 25? I want to say 24, 25 right in there. Because so, he know, was a he, college player yeah, and JP Crawford was out of high school. younger than him. So yeah. I think we have to remember that. Crawford certainly has Iron Now the big so. question with Kingery is how do you handle that? He's not going to come up until... I forget the day in May, but it's towards it, well, the end of May. Yeah, we don't know the exact day because it's a Super 2 day. So it's whenever that happens where you get that extra year of arbitration controlling him, you'll probably see They'll him bring up. him up when they're able to control him for another year, and then he'll be up kind of like the Cubs did with Chris Bryant. And they'll make up some Fugazi reason of why they're course. sending them down. The yeah, well, that, that's what happens when he comes out Bryant. and hits like 800 in spring trading, and they're like, oh, uh, yeah. He needs to work on his needs defense. Needs a little more seasoning. Not quite ready yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll roll through right here. Adonis Medina mm-hmm. in his, is a Venezuelan right-handed starter who I've talked to some people that think he's better be than a Sixto. better picture, yeah. pitcher than Sixto because he's got better command of four pitches to where Sixto's kind of maybe a reliever, maybe a closer because he's got fastball slider and doesn't have great command of his pitches to where Medina – and I have the minor league app on my phone, so I watch a lot of these games. I'll tell you, this he can throw – Multiple pitches for strikes, and he's got really good stuff. Yeah, I like Medina a ton. He's a really, really interesting young prospect. And like you said, he's got such command at his age and, and his level. To You just feel like he's in total command when he's out there on the hill. I think it's really – look – it's exciting to have these young arms because it has been so long with this Philly system. Obviously, Nola drafted, progresses quickly in the minors. But other than that, I mean, you know, since Cole Hamels, we really haven't developed any great, you know, young arms right. where they're coming up and we're like, wow, it's always been these hitting prospects. And, you know, even then at times, not enough of those. But um, it's really, it's really exciting to see these because they have a few of these guys at the low levels of the minors who have some real upside. But again, for me, it's, I really like watching Medina pitch, but until these guys start to progress further and get a little older, I'm just, I, I'm always hesitant to buy it. So many different things could happen. All right, number five, and you'll notice there's a, a notable name that's not on this list that had been on, on high on the list last year and even earlier this year. And I had even, I'm not keeping score at home or pat myself in the back, but I was even saying like, oh, this guy's no longer a top five uh, a top five uh, prospect in the Phillies organization. So he, he's down further on the list. Adam Hazley. Their number one pick from this year is fifth on the list. And Alfield can play multiple positions. He cooled down after a really hot start. He was he, he, he played, was murdering the ball. Murdering when he first the ball. Came up, yeah. And then he played the so how it works with with the with single A ball is they have they have um 
rookie ball, and then they have Lakewood South Atlantic League. That's a full league. Uh, Clearwater is Florida State League. That's a full league. But then you have the the short season leagues, which is what Williamsport is in the New York Penn League. So it's like pretty much after after the draft, you get a lot of college players. Yep. And you get a lot of players that have ha- haven't really played a lot of games. So that's where Hazley went, and then he went to Clearwater. After that, mm-hmm. he was good. I mean, he was. He was definitely good. He slowed down, but he showed me that he's going to be a good bat, and he's probably going to be ready a lot sooner than maybe people thought. Like, yeah, he's well, not that far away. Yeah, yeah, and that's the the beauty of taking a college bat there and um, someone who was kind of far along in his progression. We saw. I mean, look, he came up and hit right away. He's got a great approach at the plate. Um, it looks like he's not necessarily going to be a you know. 40 homer type no, guy, more no, no. of a doubles hitter. But again, a bat that it looks like you can really count on from what you've seen early on. And and again, it's that age thing, right? And and we're going to get to that guy who is conspicuously, I guess inconspicuously absent so far if you've ever looked at a Phillies prospect list in the last year and a half. Um, a younger guy who, you know, you're still hoping is going to fill out in a little more. Hazley's a little more, you know, not, 21. Hazley's a lot more pro ready. The body's a little more ready. And uh, again, you know, the. Hitting in college, it, it does kind of get you a little further along. Oh, it definitely in that does. Progression. No, definitely. He's twenty-one, and I, I misspoke. He he finished at Lakewood, but two eighty-four. I thought it was Lakewood. I wasn't hundred yeah. percent sure. He he fit, he batted two eighty-four in his rookie year, two two hundred fifteen at bats. So I would say a good start. So he's number five. Number six is um, is JoJo Romero. So JoJo Romero, they had a they had a. Um, a, a bunch of young pitchers at Lakewood, and then they went to uh, they went to Clearwater. Ranger Suarez, JoJo Romero, and and um, and Sixto, and these guys. I'm telling you, all these guys are going to be in the majors. And again, it's like they're so far away or whatever. But JoJo Romero is a left-handed starter that doesn't have it's not lighting up the radar guns. But I like those guys because they know how to pitch. Yeah, he was ten and three this year with an ERA just above two in a couple different stops. So he's number six on their left, a lefty. Another pitcher, but again, a pitcher in the lower levels, yeah, not the upper levels. You have to assume like one of these three guys at the top will work out. You know, that's the way I always. Hey, look I'll at. take that. Exactly. If one of them works out, I will be extremely happy with it. But um, I like those type of guys too, John. And that that's another type of um, profile that that also really usually gets underrated by prospect lists and whatnot because it is those guys where it's production, but not necessarily the the flashy, you know, speed or, or you know, whatever it may be. So um, I like JoJo, too. And the fact, I, I, I'm surprised he's ranked that highly, to be honest. I like that he's that ranked that highly. I think, um, again, a, a lefty uh, who has that kind of control and that kind of command of his pitches is, um, you know, and, and, and also it should help those guys between him and Medina, the guys who are further along in their command, further along in their repertoire. Those guys might have a chance to get to the majors even quicker yep. and, and, and make an impact sooner. 2018 will be huge for those guys. Yep. Huge for him. All right, next up, Jalen Ortiz, who is the, the man-child. He's still only 18 years old. Yeah, he's... And he was, he was in Williamsport this year. 6'3", 215 pounds. So they signed him. I think it was a $3 million. Uh, he's, he's from the, the, the Dominican. So they gave him the big bonus to come up. So he played last year. I mean, he was 16 when he was playing at one point. He played last year at 17 in the Gulf Coast League. That's real rookie ball. Then he was in Williamsport this year. All he did in 159 at-bats was bat 302. He cut down on his strikeouts. His on-base percentage was over 400. He had eight home runs and 30 RBIs. He's got a combination of power and speed and a great arm, and he plays the outfield. And he people were kind of overlooking this guy before, but not anymore. These are the type of guys that get me excited for, for a number of reasons. First and foremost, I love that this organization is – 
putting down roots in Latin America and is like scouting that way. And this this Dominican Republic Academy, like these are the types of kids that the Phillies didn't used to get and now they're getting. And that is like incredibly exciting to me because that's where the sport is heading. I mean, how many of, you know, the top players in the league at this point are Latin American players? You have to have roots down there. You have to be scouting and that And they're area. inexpensive. You don't have to pay them $25 and, well, million exactly. a year. They're super cheap for to a start. While. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, look at the World Series right now. Carlos Creo, Jose Altuve, two of the best players in the World Series. Those are those guys. Those are guys who people went down and scouted. And, you know, obviously Correa ended up being the first pick in the draft, came back and played. Uh, but Altuve was signed for like a $10,000 contract originally. And, and obviously no one believed he would ever work out because of the but size. That, man, it's, unbelievable. it's unbelievable. But, you know, you go down and you find these kids. That's the type of, of um, you know, front office maneuvering where you can get advantages. And I do think that them putting that, uh, you know, the, the DR uh, Academy down there is huge. And I think Ortiz is, is a really exciting player. I mean, I think a lot of those guys, you kind of can look at the raw tools, but when they're in the Dominican Republic, when they're in those types of academies, when they're in, you know, rookie ball like that, like, it's really hard to get a real feel for what they are other than just the raw tools. Right. But you see him come up and put up those types of numbers in Lakewood. I mean, that's incredibly impressive. Yeah, so he probably starts next year at Lakewood, and if they or Williamsport, yeah, yeah he probably he'll start next year at Lakewood, and if if they think that you know that, I, that he could probably just play a full season down there, he's only going to be nineteen. Yeah, for crying out loud! All right, number eight, which is it's this is kind of Fugazi, Jorge Alfaro, because like he was the starter at yeah, the end of the silly. year. I like Alfaro. Me um, too. I'm interested to see because pitchers are going to adjust to him. He doesn't walk. He got a little bit better with the plate approach, but I think we know what he is, what he's going to be. He's going to go up there hacking. Uh, defense, he has to improve. Uh, calling games, he's going to have to improve. I don't know what his ceiling is going to be with that. We know he's well, got raw power. Yeah, that's what it's going to come down to. Because, right. I mean, he's got a cannon of an arm. He's got raw power. The approach, it, it was, you know, that was it's good. All right. It's good to see. Because I, I was with you. I mean, I didn't think he was ready to be called up when they called him up. I thought it was going to be, you know, 100 strikeouts to one walk type Not of guy. Not at all. Got better uh, as the season went on. So, like, that's the type of stuff where that that – that part of the game is stuff that you can change. Like, it's not something where you're a certain size or you have this much physical ability or whatever. Like, that's approach. That's something you can change. And I think that, you know, just to see him start to change is, is a positive sign. But um, the, his ceiling's going to, if he reaches his ceiling, it's, it's going to have to come down to that calling a game and receive. We see how crucial that is in today's. Uh, you especially know, with especially with with a young staff exactly. that they have exactly, and and the young staff that's coming up. If you're we're talking about these kids, I mean, theoretically, if Alfaro is the catcher of the future, he's going to be catching those kids when they come. I'd up. rather I, I'd honestly rather have a guy that has a little bit of pop and he could hit 180 for all I care and oh, can I handle don't care a staff. I totally agree. But hey, it's good to have a guy with the bat right now, Absolutely. like, like Alfaro. So Absolutely. we'll see we'll see how he develop. And again, you you got to develop these guys now. Oh my right? God! Well, that's the key, and that's what goes back to the whole conversation about Kapler and yep. about this whole thing. Like that, because because the tools, the tools are there for Alfaro. He's got the bat. I mean, his arm is a he's an eighty grade arm. For, you know, for those who don't know the scouting scale, it's a twenty to eighty scale. He has the best arm you can have for a catcher. So, like, there are real tools there. It's a question of how they developed them. All right, number nine, Mickey Moniak was the first overall pick of the two thousand sixteen oh, draft, and um, and he was ranked, I believe, one. By most of the people with the Phillies um, heading into last season, other than Crawford, and once Crawford kind of dropped down, Moniak was that next guy. He was up. the next guy up, and uh, and Moniak, listen, he's 19 years old. I'm not going crazy with it, but after watching him and paying attention to him all season long, I'm not going to tell you that he can't be a major leaguer, but he really, really struggled 
last year. And kind of the the scouting report on him coming out was he may not have the highest ceiling, but he had the he like very high he, floor. They said he was going to be like a Steve Finley, which I w- I think everybody would sign up for right now. In a second, the problem is I don't know if I don't think he's going to be Steve Finley. And what he showed last year was that he doesn't have a lot of power. He's still only young. He's got to get stronger, but he strikes out a lot. He doesn't have great plate discipline. He can't hit lefties worth a, worth a you-know-what. And, I mean, again, you don't want to overreact because he's only a 19-year-old kid, but I've seen a lot. Like, Jalen Ortiz was an 18-year-old kid, and he came up and he was smashing it all over the place last year. And uh, and Mickey Moniak looked looked lost, frankly. Yeah, um, I, I was a Moniak defender through part of the year last year, and I'm starting to – Slightly veer the other way. The one thing I will say is, is I, you could just tell he's not physically where he will ultimately be. Like he's not done growing. He still looks like he's not filled he's his filled body out. up. Yeah. And look, he needs to. That's on him. He needs to start kind of, you know, lifting weights, putting all that time in there. Like that's that's crucial for this. You know, kid. the Gabe Kapler plan. He needs it. I mean, come on, man. If you look like Kapler, you'd be fine. Get half nude. Take uh, lots of selfies. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the plan, right? Forget all the other stuff. Just get nude and take selfies. Um, don't forget the leopard. Uh, leopard, yeah, leopard oh, thong. yeah, the thong, leopard thong. Yeah. Um, I look. I, I think Moniac, I'm not ready to say that's a, a bust and it'll never be anything because I do think that. I mean, it, it is important. And again, going back to the whole judging prospects thing it's not just the age and the level and stuff it's it's really hard I think harder than any other sport to judge a baseball prospect because the bodies do fill out and and it is a sport where you know it really does matter in those cases so I think that I'm not ready to to be out on Moniac but I'm no me neither I'm certainly a lot more pessimistic than I was you know obviously beginning of last year but much less halfway through last year Hazley two years older looks like a baseball player and Moniac looks like a he looks like a baseball player it's like Moniac looks like a kid looks like a kid you're Absolutely, and and the face, the 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 physique, the body, like he just looks. Like, he doesn't look like he belongs out there on the field. So you with, know, with men, I mean, even men. in the minors, I mean, you have young men out there. And, Absolutely, and, and Moniac kind of does had looked at a kid. Two thirty six was his average in two thousand seventeen. Four hundred sixty six at bats, just five home runs, hundred nine strikeouts. Here was the other thing: even a lot of speed, seven yeah. stolen bases. It's like if he was stealing thirty bags, I'd be like. Got great speed, mm-hmm. you know. If he was, there's really nothing you can point to as the problem. No. There's nothing like wow, like at least he Play, does that. The approach wasn't good. The defense wasn't necessarily great. Um, like you're looking for something tangible to be like, nah. But but it, again, it's still early. So I'm still not early. Yeah, and again, also it's like you know, uh, it's his second year, first full year in real. 2018 you know, is going to be a it's huge. huge. I, year. I, let's put it this way: I think at the end of 2018, we'll be able to either say. Mickey Moniak will be something, or he will never outfielder be outfielder of the future for sure. Yeah. Or, or let's even face it, just they have like a lot he'll be a, or even system. just he'll be a fourth outfielder in the majors, or like that guy's never getting to the majors. Because right now, what we saw, I mean, that's that's on the table, and that's crazy because he was the number one overall, number one pick, overall pick. And the kid like Jason Groom looks freaking awesome. Oh my awesome. god! Well, he yeah, he's there were some other problems with him, and and, well, the, yeah, and the kid that was taken second yeah, overall. AJ Puck has looked good uh, so far. St- st- it's not stencil, but it's uh, oh Nick stencil. Yeah. yeah, he's been great for them. Was it the Reds it. or whatever? Reds. He's been awesome, that kid. Plays third base, too. Yeah. 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 Killing <laughs> it. Oh, my God. Finally, Franklin Killame is a yeah, right-handed, like right-handed pitcher who was a, spent time between Clearwater and Reading this year. Really good stuff. His numbers aren't the greatest as far as if you look at the stats, but he's got got really high end stuff as far as velocity and movement and stuff like that. So he's going to believe me. He may be a bu- end up being a bullpen guy, but he'll be somebody that you see in the Phillies probably two years from now. Yeah, his stuff's too good for him never to make it to the majors. And he's not like he's got enough control where I think he's he'll make it to the majors. And again, like a lot of these guys, like having a guy turn into a, a quality middle reliever. 
is a valuable thing. Is a good thing. Yeah, is a good thing. I think it's hard. A lot of uh, you know, a lot of people, or at least certainly casual fans, don't understand like the value of those. T- like, if you have a guy who you draft in the first round and he turns into a fourth starter in the major leagues. It's really That's good. That's a successful yeah, it's crazy. draft pick. It's really, it's, it's a, not it's sexy. Just a, it's not, but it's a very different thing than football and basketball. You know, kind of where you a lot different, completely different. And they have a lot of young relievers too. So uh, we're gonna blame me. We're, we have so many weeks before spring so, training so to preview. Enough. How are we gonna organize this, James <laughs> Seltzer? We have so many different things we have to talk about. All right, last thing: World Series Game Five was last night. As we're recording this on a Monday, and I'd love to say I stayed up for it. Me I, too. I did not. Me too. Uh, I have children, and I'm I was devastated. so gassed. And I woke up to take a leak, and I looked on my phone, and I was like, you know, it's like, best game in the history uh, of baseball. I'm like, you like, got to be kidding me, dude. I was like, I can't even do it. I can't even talk about it. I've gone back, and I've watched parts of it. And I've just, like, I, I made it to the sixth inning, and I, like, I was up at five in the morning to go do the, you know, Eagle stuff. And it was just... I, I'm so disappointed in myself, but I'm no, more no, no, disappointed no. in Major League Baseball. Make these games earlier on school Game nights ended and a quarter work or two? nights. Like, come on, man. Like, you want new fans. You want people to like this sport. Allow them to watch the, the biggest games that you have. It, it's crazy that they're starting these things at 8 o'clock, whatever it is. Like, that's, I understand you got a West Coast team involved, but I don't know. I think Always it's a, starts at this time. I think it's a real detriment. I think it, Two I think good it teams, is. too. Two great. It's, really good I mean, good not teams. just that game. Game two, which I thank God I dig it to watch was one of the best World yeah. Series games in a long time. It's been a really evenly matched, fun series. So great you know, series, great series, one great of the best. Series. I you know that's why I wanted to. I don't I don't really have a huge rooting interest either way. I like Chase. I like Andrew Freeman. There's stuff on the Dodgers. Yeah, I like, I'd, I'd be I good like with the, the Dodgers. Astros losing. Maybe better. I think I like the Astros better just because of the whole. They're fun and you know the yeah. whole and stuff. But regardless, I don't. I want it to go seven more than anything. Is my point. Like I'm rooting seven. for seven more than I'm rooting for one team or the other to win. It's been a heavy. It's been a heavyweight fight, and it, they're just slugging each other. I think it's going seven. It has to. It has to. It's too great a series to not go seven. That game last night, even though I didn't didn't watch it, but like like you said, I saw highlights and I I, I watched a bunch of sports under this morning. It reminded me of the Phillies Blue Jays game in '93. Was I was it at 15, that game. 11, 15, at 14. That game? 15 14. Highest scoring world. This was that was actually last time was the second highest World Series game scoring game of all time to that 15 14. I was at it. Dykes read two homers. It was crazy. It was like surreal. And I was I think it was 12 years old or whatever. And it was like surreal. Like runs just kept kept being scored and you're like what is happening right now it was really awesome yep awesome so next time we talk we will have a world series champion and we will actually have heard from gabe kapler howard eskin who is doing his normal howard eskin driven agenda i'll bet you uh hoagie that he asked kapler about those pictures because i, I, he, he I will tweeted not it. take that bet he tweeted the picture of him in the thong, and he proceeded to tell every person that entered Chickies and Pizza Night about how he tweeted the picture out. And like everybody's just kind of looking at each other, being like, Yeah, we know Howard. We know you tweeted the picture out. Kapler's going to drive everybody. Howard insane, and I can't wait. He is. It's he's going to be he's, awesome. He's already done it. Yeah. I think. And guess what? Kapler's pretty smart, man. Like, like you're not going to get stuff by this guy. So it's going to be fun. Going to be fun. That is another edition of High Hopes. Look for us every week. On how do you even find us, James Seltzer? I don't even know how you find yeah, us iTunes, yet. all that good stuff. iTunes, cbsphilly.com uh, yes, for CBS another month Philly. before com. we change our company. Correct. Entercom <laughs> something then, I'm sure. Yeah. It'll be good, though. We'll keep you updated on how to do yeah, it. And, we'll of course, follow out, us on Twitter stuff. at John Marks Media, J-O-N-M-A-R-K-S Media, at James Seltzer. 
because there was no other James Seltzer that stole his Twitter first. Like somebody stole my Twitter, he won't give it back. <laughs> but the guy that has the John Marks Twitter will actually follow him, and he follows me because you know he gets people that, that tweet him. Of course, yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. Well, it's it's funny when it's like all this stuff where there's like a like um, you know some famous person in the news, and then it's the personal tweet out like. I'm not, you know, Tom yeah. Cruise. Leave I'm me a, alone. Yeah, I'm an insurance salesman in, in Montana. I, I am not the president, Donald <laughs> Trump. I'm just some guy named Donald Trump. All right, everybody, talk to you next week. Uh, high hopes. We out.